It's Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. It's Talk LP Podcast time. Talk LP Podcast time. What is up? It's Amber Bradley, your host. We are stoked to have our special guest today, Nicole McDar, Vice President of Safety and Loss Prevention for Domino's. You're in the hot seat, Nicole. What's up? Excellent. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be on the hot seat. You're super popular right now. Don't know if you knew that. I am super popular. Yes. Domino's is super popular because, you know, delicious pizza is hard to beat. <laughs> That's true. You're both actually super popular, you know, um, because what's so cool is that Domino's I think, were you guys the first or maybe the only that you can text a pizza emoji and get yeah. a pizza? Yeah, no, for sure. That's it's the super, coolest. Super <laughs> We've gotten to about as lazy as you can possibly get. <laughs> Is that a commentary on people? It might be. It might be. But good for Domino's. I mean, you guys are like so... Tech, you're like a technology pizza company, which is so cool. But so, so before we get into that, I want to, you're really not new anymore in the role because you've passed a year, right? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. So, in June. So I'm, I'm hitting, rounding the corner on eight months. Oh, so, okay. So given your role, I think you could still claim the newbie category. Sure. However, it's rapidly coming to an end. So I want to introduce you to folks and hopefully maybe you can take a few less calls after this introduction. <laughs> but, you know, just to explain, hey guys, give a little, give, do your research, damn it. <laughs> and listen to this podcast so you know who Nicole is before you call her. All right. So give us a little bit on your background. Hey, I think I'm going to put that on my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> Amber did your research for you. <laughs> Listen to this before you call me. Yeah, so background. So I, I have been with Domino's for about eight months. Um, and I, I am still going to hold on to the newbie thing because it's a big company. It's complex. And I'm the first VP in this role. It's the first time that this role has existed in Domino's. So I get to sort of invent it from scratch. Um, and so that's interesting. And I think I'm going to have to keep saying new for a bit because a lot of the stuff that I'm doing is new. It's basically a new organization. It's a new org structure. It's a new way about thinking um, about enterprise risk security management. It, it, the enterprise security risk management, it's, it's sort of um, a new world for dominoes. And so it's super exciting to get to come in and, and build that. Um, so I'll be, I'll be saying new for a bit. It's a new process. It's a new role. It's a new gig. It's a new way of thinking. Um, prior to that, I, I was sitting in Geneva, Switzerland. Um, I, I was in a village in the mountains looking at the Alps with the Jura Mountains behind me, um, which was pretty sweet. And then somebody yeah. called me and said, hey, have you ever been to Ann Arbor, Michigan? Um, <laughs> it's exactly the same as that, I think. They call you know, it villages <laughs> in Ann Arbor, don't they? Exactly, exactly. You'll hardly notice the difference, except you speak <laughs> the language here. You should come over here. Um, so I was working with uh, Richmond Luxury Goods. And a lot of people don't know who Richmond is. So I'm going to explain that a little bit. But it's a it's a luxury good holding company, which means that um, Richmond 
owns a number of brands. Um, I believe it's 26, although since I've been out for about a year, it might be more or less um, of luxury brands, things like Cartier, Montblanc, Van Cleef, and a number of um, luxury brand watches like Panerai, IWC, JJ Lecoute, um, a number of Vacheron Constantin, so a number of them. So basically really, really, really expensive, <laughs> high luxury goods. Um, and I was the, uh, the executive director, what's well, an executive position in Europe of, um, of security, of safety, so like health, safety, and environment, um, which in Europe also means something different, I think, than it does here in the US. Um, and facilities was also under my purview. And I was responsible for the European portfolio, which I have to explain because it's a little bit weird. Europe in Richmond also includes all of Latin America, the Caribbean, and all the CIS countries. So like Russia, et cetera, et cetera, and all these numbers. Um, so it, it was a very interesting difference, uh, managing luxury good boutiques um, to thinking about pizza. <laughs> and so that was sort of the first transition. different price point. I would have to say slightly different price right. point. It was, it was interesting as I started um, sort of interviewing for the Domino's gig. Um, you know, you come from this sort of luxury background. Well, I don't know that I come from this luxury background. I was there for four years, and it was a super interesting four years with lots of really exciting and interesting places to go and things to see, and obviously risks and challenges to face. Can you imagine being responsible for the security of a luxury boutique where now you have to invite people in wearing masks? Like this is exactly the opposite of what you want in yeah. a, a jewelry store is guys coming in there with masks. Yeah. So that was super interesting. Um, and before that I was with Securitas for 15 years and doing a number of things, but um, probably for the last 10 years, sort of architecting new solutions. So thinking about new ways of doing security, building new security style programs, what kind of technology, what kind of software do we need? What should our hardware do? How do you marry people with technology in an efficient way? Um, and so that was also super interesting. Yeah, that's really, yeah, I saw that in your background. I was like, oh, I wonder, you know, being on kind of the solution provider side, I was interested to know kind of what you were doing with that. but. Does it give you the leg up right on going into some of these, not to say all vendors are the same, but just saying, you know, kind of knowing the back end process, right? I mean, I'm sure that gives you some kind of open door into saying, hey, look, I know how uh, this is going to work, guys. I, yeah, a hundred percent. Like you and I were just in competition with each other, you know, six <laughs> months ago, pitching the same people. So yeah, definitely. And I, and it, it it's, um, that, and I'm going to switch this the other way that I think it also gave me a, a leg up coming in from that sort of um, solutions provider, vendor, partner to go in-house where now what you've really learned is the value proposition in the language of business. Like if you really learned how to do that right, as you were sort of pitching people and designing security programs that were really going to be fit for purpose and figuring out well, in my role, what I was doing is figuring out how to build sort of, you know, fit for purpose solutions that were going to be really interesting and really good and cost value propositions and all this stuff. So I was really focused on the language of business and really getting to the needs, right? So all of a sudden, going into the, in, into the position of the driver's seat, having to design and develop the programs, but just for this entity or for these number of entities or whatever, um, I, it was very easy for me to immediately make the transition of how do I communicate the value proposition to the business? How do I, 
How do I get HR to really understand why I need their support on this? How do I get marketing maybe to help fund some of this stuff? How do I get the, um, the CFO to understand why we need to structure the pricing this way? How do I get legal to understand, right? So really figuring out how to build a solution in a way that wasn't just about the pure, like, hey, it's security, this is exactly what we need to do. Um, Cause we all have that, right? Like I know exactly what we need to do but that's never gonna, the exactly right program might not get approved because you're not gonna have the right value proposition the right risk assessment for it or the right need for it even. And so being able to sort of tailor that to the language of business, I think is what, what made me kind of immediately very successful in, in the role um, it, in Richmond. So I started in Richmond in Mexico City. Um, I was there for just under two years before being promoted into the larger role in, in Europe. And I, I think the leg up came from, from that solution provider side. But maybe it made me a... a and uh, maybe it makes me forget. Maybe I know for sure it makes me a much more difficult person <laughs> to deal with <laughs> provider. Take now note. Like, cut it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I think that is incredible value for where you are too, because it, to be honest, you don't see much of that transition right from a solution provider into a practitioner, right? I mean, sometimes, most of the time, really, it's the other way around. So you yeah. know, I mean that probably puts, well, it should put the solution providers that are coming to your doorstep, maybe on a little bit more uh, higher alert to, you better know what you're talking about, you know, and get to it. Check the profile. If they go and check the LinkedIn profile, then they are. Maybe I I should make sure that I cut out, not saying that, you know, solution providers are full of it when they come into a pitch perspective, but you know, I think that there is some level of introductory information that, you know, kind of sets someone up, right? If they, if they have a certain level of knowledge of different things and it's like, you better know who you're talking to, you know? Yeah. I, I think, so the, the reason that I think I had the, the, the leg up going in the not usual trajectory is because I almost functioned as a consultant. So my job was already to get into the mind of the client to figure out how do we build the program. So the sales guys were there doing the sales job. And then the ops guys were there who were going to be doing, you know, turning the the screws or whatever, getting the people hired. I was sort of the architect who had to figure out, like, here's the problem. How do we get to solution and got to build it? And so I think that's sort of what gave me the heads up. So on, on in this seat now, when I have solution providers who come with the full sales pitch instead of getting into that solution mindset, that's super like, and I, I think I did a podcast on this, like number one thing that you need to do is know your target, like know who you're talking to and get to the value proposition. That's what I have to do when I'm going to pitch this program. That's what you should do. If you're showing up and you're stuck on, um, you know, oh, maybe, oh, she went to law school. Maybe she's a lawyer doing security, right? So I'm going to use really small words and talk about security risk management in ways that are oversimplified. I've had a couple of those who didn't really appreciate that. Or I've had the full value proposition pitch, but without getting to know what my needs were like, how can you give me the value proposition when you haven't asked me any questions about what it is that I need? Maybe that's not the right value proposition. It's like you offered me a sandwich. I didn't even say I'm hungry. Yeah. No, that's perfect because I've heard the story, right, of the meeting that doesn't go so well when the solution provider comes in and says, 
So tell me, uh, what can we do for you? Yeah. You're like, yeah. oh my God. Wait, didn't you ask for this meeting with me? Like, did you not do any research at all? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's tough. It's a tough, I did have one meeting when I first took this position that, I mean, you know, absolute kudos. Um, the team came in and they said, first, you should know, you should know that we, um, whatever reference LinkedIn bio, blah, 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 make like three points of I've, I've read some of the stuff that you've written. So I know exactly where you're suffering from, you know, know your target. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you my pitch in 60 seconds. And then from there we can expand out. Cool. It's like, cool. <laughs> Here's what I'm offering. Are you interested? Yeah. yeah. Same more. Perfect. So we kept talking and that was, you know, it, I kudos to him to really kind of stop and figure out like, I, this is an intro meeting, but I don't want to waste your time and I don't want to waste my time. So let me get right to the point and then back into maybe a value discussion. Yeah, yeah so. I think that is probably, I don't know why more people don't do that. You know, like if you're, if your scheduled meeting is an hour and you spend 50 minutes talking, probably not oh. the best idea. Oh man, I, I have, and I am absolutely famous for that. If you just want to sit and chit chat and you want to talk about the books on my shelves and talk about my pictures, I put you on my calendar for one hour or half an hour and yeah. you can spend that however you like. But at the end of that, when that timer goes off, that's the end of the call. And if you haven't pitched it, you haven't yeah. told me what it is yeah. that you wanted. I'm sorry you used your time this way. Yeah. <laughs> like, you wanted to get to know me. I'm yeah. cool with that. I'm a friendly yeah. person. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk Netflix series no. all day. I don't care. Exactly. <laughs> Why not? You're on my calendar for 30 minutes. I'll give you those 30 minutes. Um, what I it's, love it's though fun. is you're you're not scared of at the end of those 30 minutes going, you've wasted your time here. I I have done that. You know, like. I'm, I'm, you've got five minutes left. I just want to make sure that this is how you want to just spend yeah. your time because I'm not sure that we Which I appreciate. Way. People should. Okay. So I want to switch gears a little bit. And of course, people know I'm famous for this. This is, wasn't on any of the prep. We didn't talk about it. But as we're talking here, um, and, and your intro made me think of this, you know, when you're talking about a new role, a new VP position at Domino's and, you know, new organizational structure, I'm curious you know, when, when you come into, as an executive, into an organization, what are, what are a few key things that you, you know, I would anticipate, because I've never done it, but I would anticipate that you go in, you step back a little bit, almost like a communication puzzle, which is what I love, right? You step back a little bit and you see the inner workings and then maybe how it could be better. Like, what are some of those things that you evaluate? right? Whether it's, I don't know, job roles, people in the right seat, wrong bus, wrong, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, like what are some of those things as an executive, you come in and, and say, okay, let me see what's going on here. Yeah. So in, in law school, I, um, I was, I'm a terrible student. So if you ever look up anything about my schooling, you'll be sorely disappointed. I'm a terrible <laughs> student. I have very little patience. Um, but I acquire knowledge. Um, what I learned was you have to read everything sort of three times. The first time you read it, just a very quick sort of snapshot to get the big picture. The second time you read it more for context and the third time you really get into the details. And I feel like coming into a new position, I, I take sort of the similar approach. Like the first thing I need to understand is I'm not gonna be able to get into the weeds if I don't understand sort of the, the full big picture. And if you, 
to the big picture can be really big and overwhelming, right? So it, it's for me, what I've found is I need to really sort of stop, sit back and really just shut up and listen and ask some, you know, a couple of key questions and get to understand the culture, get to understand the flow and get to understand how people perceive the organization, whether it's the security organization or whether it's the organization as a whole to get that maybe goes to the culture thing. And then um, how they perceive it and how they think it should be, right? So kind of really big panel, what is it that you see? What, what do you think is, um, you know, how safe do you feel, for example? How, how do you perceive the value that you get? How do you feel about the way that this works? What, can be, what, what things have really bothered you in the past? What things have you thought about like, well, it would be so much better if, um, what things have created an annoyance for you and just start sort of putting the edges of the puzzle piece together, just kind of finding the soft, the easy stuff. Um, and then once I have sort of this big contextual view, then I start zooming in a little bit more and start trying to understand how the, how the pieces work together. So obviously I'm in security. So how, how, how does the structure support um, the need? How does the structure support the risk? How does the structure not support the need or the risk? And more details now. Now start sort of going in and, and looking at um, policies and procedures and looking at previous assessments. Maybe they've been done or maybe they haven't been done. Um, and then again, zoom in the third time a little bit more and now start doing some really specific deep, deep dives um, and this is why I say I think that I'm, I'm still new. I mean, it took me sort of around maybe five months to really understand the way the company was working and to formulate a strategy for the, how it should be working for the next three years. And, and, and I, I think if I hadn't done that, like at this point now, I can never do that again, right? Like I can never reintroduce myself. I can never get first impressions. I can never get... And so I, it, it, for me, this sort of iterative process is really key because you also get the benefit of saying, look, I don't know anything, right? I'm new to this organization. And you can't do that once you come in already, like I'm here to fix a problem. No, I don't even know what the problem is. I know what the end goal is. I know that the intention is to ensure that we have a really excellent functioning um, security department or risk management department, loss prevention department. But how we get there from where we are, that's the path that we need to drive. And so I'm just going to ask a boatload of questions and really understand. Um, and then along the way, between it, each iterative process, find some wins. So in that first sort of big picture, some things are going to stand out that are going to be very easy to immediately like, oh, gosh, you know, everybody gets really sort of ticked off about this one thing. Let's just fix that right now. <laughs> like, just real quick, knock that off the, the list. So now we start building a little bit of trust and we start building, you know, like, yes, we're here to make some, you know, positive changes. We're here to make, a, a, you know, some good decisions to start. And then on the second iterative process, find a couple of other things that are sort of quick wins. And by now, by the third time as you're coming in and asking the deeper questions and really for me, in my case, going in and figuring out what's the right org structure and figuring out what the right policies and procedures are going to be to support the company for the next few months. Um, I've already established sort of a track record. So, you know, five or six months in, I've already solved a couple of headaches. I've already sort of established a couple of, um, of points of trust and, and sort of get it done-ness. 
Um, and so now the harder lifting, the harder work has sort of been paved in an easier path. Um, so in quick summary, I would say zoom out right from the very beginning, big picture with iterative, don't try to fix everything at once. Um, don't even try to fix you know, one thing at once because you're gonna get so zoomed in, you're gonna miss sort of the bigger interactions of the department. Um, and as I've, I've talked to people um, through the years, I, when I see programs that have failed or people who've been frustrated with a role that they've come into or they haven't been able to get stuff done, it's mostly because of that, like zoomed in, like this is such an obvious problem, I just need to fix it. But they didn't figure out why it became a problem to be, you know, to begin with and what the interactions were. So start big picture. Yeah, I mean, the reason I ask you that is because it took me a long, not a long time, but we had a couple interactions where it was like, you're like, I'm covered up, man. And you, and I could tell like you're doing a deep dive into what you've got going on. Because I think I've, so anecdotally, I've also heard from your team that they love you. They feel heard, they feel respected. Like it's, it's, they're energized. And so I wanted to understand that because if you're listening and you're like, I don't know why she asked that question. This has nothing to do with me. Like you're missing it <laughs> because- what I think people can take away from what you've said, and I wanted to hear your way you articulate the process, is because if you're a director or regional and you're trying to get to the VP side, you can now understand kind of what the VP mindset goes through in evaluating if they're coming in new or if you're a VP role listening and you're looking at, hey, we've got some things we've got to fix in the structure and you're clearly wanting more information because you're listening to this, you know, here's a, here's a way to do it, you know? And, um, I think that that's really cool, especially because, you know, I mean, you had a little bit against you to be honest, right? I mean, you weren't coming from QSR or restaurants, mm -hmm. you know, people don't know luxury brands and they're like, what does she know? For, not that I heard them just saying, what does yeah, she yeah. know from coming from an international, you know, what is, you know, you know what I mean? Like there was a lot of things that could have been viewed as, and, and honestly, we're all like waiting, like with bated <laughs> breath, like, how's this going to go down? Right. And clearly really well, I mean, you've got, you've got a team that is devoted to how you're doing this, which is why I really wanted to get into that because it, you explained it perfectly, um, which I think is really cool, you know, and, let me ask you this on your opinion. What if that <clears throat> VP or director that you said, you know, it is hard to do this type of analysis when you're in it, not when you're new, right? Yeah. That you've already, you know, they're going to be, what are you talking about, Jerry? You were just asking me that <laughs> three months ago, you know, like how, mm -hmm. do you have any advice for those VPs, directors out there that might be like, you know, look, I, I feel like I've got a challenge. I got a mess. I don't know how to solve it you know, maybe they're getting pressure, but I've been here. You know what I mean? Like, how do you look at it anew, you know, with this, with the perspective that you're, that you took coming into this? Good one. It's a tough challenge. I mean, know your target. <laughs> you, <laughs> I keep coming back to this, you know, you, you have to, you have to figure out if the thing that you're trying to fix, you're trying to fix because you want it fixed 
because it needs to be fixed or because the organization wants it to be fixed and what the points of intersect are. I, I might have a pet project that I think is super cool or great for me, right? Like, this is what I want to do. I want, to, I should be able to carry a gun wherever I want, for example. But the company might be like, yeah, but that sort of sends the wrong message, right? So you have to figure out, like, is that the hill that I want to die on? Or can I let this one go? Because there's really no bigger value to this. So is it, and then if I give another example of something that, um, I'm, I, I'm not going to make up an example. I'll just like Project X, which is a very good security thing that anybody in their right mind would see as a good thing. Um, but the company doesn't see any value in Project X. And in fact, they see it as sort of an expense and they, they think that, yeah, it's a great security thing, but you know, project Y would probably get the job done also. So why don't we do that? And so that's sometimes the, the tension that we feel is like, yeah, because X is actually better than Y. But if you can't articulate it in such a way that the business agrees with you, then you got to let it go. You're going to figure out how to make Y work because you're going to die on the wrong hill. And then you're not going to get the trust and the, the, you're not gonna show the value to the stakeholders that, that are going to be the ultimate supporters, which is why I say, pick a smaller project, get some trust, get, get, some, get some kind of runway that shows that I do have a strong focus on the value proposition, that I am weighing the options, that I'm here to solve the problems in a way that's flexible, in a way that, maybe is new or inventive and it's not the way that it's been done. And, you know, I heard you because that way, when you come in and say, no, look, we have to do project X and this is a hill that I'm willing to die on. Then they might go, well, if this is the, I mean, this is the battle. This is the only one that you've really come to us that we've sort of questioned, but we've seen you do these other 10 things um, well and flexibly and blah, blah, blah. They're more likely to say, you know what, maybe you're right. Maybe there's, there's something, <laughs> there's something here. So you, you have to build that runway. You have to pan out. <laughs> you have to see the bigger, the bigger picture, the bigger value. The the uh, the stakeholders have to want it. The people who write the checks have to want it. And if they don't want it, um, and you can't convince them, then either you haven't done a good job convincing them, or it's just not needed, right? So it and it takes some soul searching because sometimes there are some things that are like, but I want. Because it's the best thing, but you're the only one in the room thinking that. You gotta, you gotta let it go. And I, I do want to say I'm, I'm glad that um, my, my team, my team is energized and happy. And I, I want to just give one more thing, which is honesty. Like it, it, the same way that I said at the beginning, like I'll give you the 30 minutes, but at the end of it, if you've wasted my time, I'm gonna tell you, like, bro, you just wasted your time, not mine. I gave you 30 minutes. How you spent it is up to you, but you just wasted your time because I'm not letting you back on my calendar. Yeah. I do the same thing for the teams. Like you have to listen to them. You have to see what projects are important. And if they're completely off base, then you need to provide some corrections right up front while giving them some wins as well because everybody shows up to be a, a contribution and to do a good job and if they're not then you get rid of them they shouldn't be on your team so first make sure that they're showing up to be a contribution and to do a good job and then feed them you know feed that and then they'll take the corrective as well because they're also being fed positively and they'll have some good ideas that i haven't especially coming brand new into qsr i called you i was like i uh, i've never done this before <laughs> i need to read i need to understand how this is different 
Well, what's cool is I think, you know, you're not saying be a yes man or woman. I mean, you're mm -hmm. saying, you know, if you, if you're willing to die on the vine for it, it's like, and it's still not getting done. You might not have built that trust factor within your organization, which you do by having small wins, or it's one of those things where you have to alter what you're thinking, you know, X to Y in your example, and then don't be in the meeting going, shoulda, coulda, woulda, you know, well, this will work fine, but, you know, X was so much better because, you know, because then, then it's like, okay, okay, you know, you let it go, but you're also being a negative Nelly, right? Uh, and no one, no one wants that. I, oh my God, Amber, that I, I have told every single member of my team as I was going around um, getting to know them. I was like, look, I'm going to ask you all kinds of tough questions. And I expect you to ask me some tough questions back. Don't read my mind because you're not going to be able to. I, I don't know that I'm able to. So I don't know what I'm thinking <laughs> from one moment to the next half the time. So I'm going to ask you questions. I need you to give me like your real answers and come to me with your best critiques. Like don't and if, as we start working together and as we start working through stuff, if I put out some program and you think it's a crackheaded program, you better tell me you think it's a crackheaded program because- Yeah, you, to your face though, right? To my face. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, hey, Nicole, <laughs> this is the worst idea I've ever heard, you know? Yeah. Fine, then we can argue it out. We can decide, okay, why do you think this? Move your mind. No, no, no. And sometimes you may win and sometimes I may win. And sometimes neither of us may win and we might just decide, you know what, just scrap it. We can't figure out what the right course of action is. But whatever the final decision is, when we leave, if that project fails and it was your idea, I'm not going to say, oh, wow, you know, I told Bob not to do this project because I thought it was terrible. And I expect you not to do the same, the same thing. Yeah. We are on the same page once we've agreed. Yeah. Right? You have, and I, I would do the same thing for my boss. If I think, you know, like this is a project that I'm, I'm willing to fight for we'll have a honest conversation. And then when it's over, it's over. Sometimes he wins, sometimes I win. And then that, you know, that's the line. You have to say your piece and then make peace with it. Yeah. Cause if you're yesing it all the way through, but you're at happy hour downing it with the crew, Tragic. not a good plan. Terrible plan. Yeah. <laughs> Ulcers. You're going to end up, you know, chewing. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. Ulcer making. And you lose trust that way because now what's your real opinion? What What's your real value as a consultant? We don't always get our way. We don't always get to, like your idea may be right, but it's not right for the company right now. That doesn't mean that it didn't yeah. add value. So you still can state your opinion and then just give it up when it's over. Yeah. And get, and get on board. <laughs> get on board. Get on board or get out. Yeah. Or get out. That's exactly right. Sometimes that happens too, right? Like I can't get on board. I think that this is an absolute tragic whatever. And then we might need to part ways. I mean that, but you have to, you have to be honest diplomatic because, yeah. you know, you, you say your truth with kindness, right? Going back to Brene Brown, you know, exactly. truth with kindness. Exactly. Exactly. Be, be truthful, be honest, be respectful, say your piece, then get on board. Yeah. Um, okay. So I know I could talk forever to you about this stuff because it's like totally resonating with me, but I want to transition into best worst career advice because I always love, I love these questions <laughs> because, um, sometimes the worst career advice is surprising to me. People will be like, Oh yeah. Somebody told me just to stay in my lane. Like don't ever do anything uncomfortable. It's like, when was that? Like 1982 or something. Yes. But, yeah. I know okay. 
You just gave mine away. That oh. was, it. That was Are you no. serious? Yes, but let me tell you, because let me tell you, it's it's my best and worst happened within minutes of each other. Oh, worst this guy. is good. Dude pulls me in his office and he says, McDar, do you have some secret family trust fund out there somewhere? Why? Because you give your opinions as though you don't need this job. I'm the boss. You should agree with me. Right? Yeah. True story. True story. And I said, well, thank you for your feedback. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't matter that I was giving him my truth, right? It mattered. He wanted, he didn't want truth. He wanted a yes man, right? Yeah. And so I, I was like, I'm not comfortable being a yes man. I will have your back as soon as we leave this room, but you need to know how exactly what I just told you, right? Yeah. So, you know, he's like, nope, you should just always agree with me. And I was like, wow. Okay. Well, somebody overheard him as he was giving me this wonderful advice. And as I walked out of the room and they were sort of equally situated on the org chart, lateral to each other, but equally situated. And uh, Nicole, can I see you real quick? So I'm feeling a little... Like I just got kicked in the gut. Sure, now I'm gonna get kicked in the gut the second time. I walk in his office, close his door. He's like, everything that you just heard in that office for the last five minutes, please disregard. Don't ever follow that advice. Carry on, pursue. <laughs> pursue with the way you've been doing. You've got a great career path. <laughs> Were you like, are you hiring? <laughs> Can I come work on your team? <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, and I did have a great career path <laughs> after that, but. That was both the best and the worst. And I, the, the worst was, you know, exactly the opposite. Just be a yes man, which is hideous advice because then you're only ever going to feel terrible. And then you're not a good consultant or, you know, you're a trained monkey. And I don't think we should hire trained monkeys. Yeah, um, I then, mean, because there is a reason, like you're saying, that you get hired. And, you know, it's not to say, I think a lot of this sometimes goes back to, because there might be people out there be like, no, not my boss. It's like, well maybe a little self-evaluation of how you're saying it, right? Because if you're sitting like, good luck with that, you know, I told you that's not going to work. You know, it's like, instead of, oh, so come to a business case with a business case. I don't agree with you because dot, dot, dot. And the result will be blah, 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 you know, versus just getting on the negativity train. I, I think, I mean, I, I like to joke about this and tend towards hyperbole, so I'll try to do this in a more serious way, but I think the true sort of, the, the internal reflection that it takes to do it without the emotional charged, right? Without, I'm, I'm not emotionally committed to this outcome. I am a trusted advisor on this team in your brain. In your brain. I am a trusted advisor on this team and they're hiring me to give my professional opinion. Your professional opinion does not consist of the words like you're wrong. This is doomed to fail. This is <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> you're, if you don't listen to my advice, yeah. all bad things will happen. Your professional advice is here are where I see the risks. Here are where I see the challenges. I'm about to give a very key piece of advice right now. Here, here is where I see a number of possible solutions. Are there any one of these that you think would work better? I love that. Because That's great phrasing. People need to have choices, right? Like you, you, 
if there's not only one right answer, if we're, eh, there's always exceptions. And if we're in a combat zone, there might only be one right answer. Okay, but we're not. We're talking about some corporate security. I'm not giving active shooter training advice here. If we're looking at a corporate security program, the right type of camera, the right policy, the right procedure, there's probably more than one way. And there's probably nuance. So even the way that you might be suggesting might, suggesting might work with some slight variations. So it, it's really, but we have to be unattached to the sort of exactness of the exact proposal that, that we're pitching and to remove the sort of, um, I don't know, ego, maybe ego attachment to yeah. it, right? Like here, here are the three points. Here's, you know, some possible solutions. Here's a couple of different ways that, that we can look at it. Here's where I see the challenges. We aren't in many cases the final decision makers. We are the trusted advisors and consultants, and we have to give good solutions. And sometimes good solutions means two or three different options to this solution. Um, so I, I just I, I I think that's absolutely critical. So advice to those of you out there listening, trying to figure out how do I move up to the next role, get good at speaking the language of business, pan out, see how it how what you're going to do impacts the business. If it's a great security solution but it costs more than what the business can support, then ultimately you're hurting the business rather than, than helping it, right? Like pan out and then offer multiple avenues, get creative. Now that's great advice for sure. Okay, so last question. I don't know if you even got this one on the prep or not, but I always like to surprise people. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing, right? So alternate life and career, you know, everybody's got that. Like if I hadn't, yeah, if I hadn't done this, I'd be, you know, an investigative journalist with the Wall Street Journal or New York Times or something. I'd be holding a Pulitzer. That's where I'm at, which is absurd. But maybe not. I don't know. The point that's is not I'm absurd. not. That's not absurd. <laughs> the point is I'm not. And that's okay. Still time. Start I writing. I love where I am in my life, <laughs> but this is not about me. This is about you. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to be super boring on this, man. When I was a little kid dreaming about what I wanted to do, I wanted to be a, <laughs> I wanted to be like a secret agent type. I want, I always wanted to be in security. I always wanted to fight bad guys, make life difficult. This is awesome. Um, always. And I, I knew, you know, sort of figuring out what the right trajectory to get to that, um, you know, maybe more, but my early on in my career, that's a whole other podcast. And that one requires a couple of beards, but ah, yes, Happy hour podcast. earlier on in my career, I mean, I, I was doing some super cool stuff and it sort of scratched that itch. And I, then it, you know, grew up and I had to get involved in the corporate security stuff. Um, but, and then at some point I wanted to be a lawyer. So I, you know, went to law school and <laughs> I'm doing what I want to do, man. I'm doing what I've always wanted to do. My brain awesome. processes this way. People ask me what my hobby is. I, I don't want to say my job is my hobby because that makes me sound sort of flat and boring. But when I'm, I'm not with at work, I'm <laughs> reading about risk. What's happening yeah. in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so with you on that. You know, my daughter, it worries about me because I have no hobbies. She's like, mom, you don't have any hobbies or friends. I'm like, no, no, I do have friends. They just don't live around me. I have virtual happy hours with my friends. But, you know, I mean, yeah, look, it's hard because we love what we do, you know? Mm -hmm. And if I'm, I'd much rather be 
figuring out the next podcast or the next thing with talk LP or whatever versus, you know, I don't know, watching the bachelor or something, you know, it's like, <laughs> that's not to say I don't watch some Netflix garbage. That is true. But, you know, I appreciate that in you because I, I, I reflect that for sure. Um, but look, if I won a hundred million dollar lottery tomorrow, well, maybe not tomorrow, but at some point <laughs> I would do the whole, you know, some cool off-road RV thing, towing a motorcycle, and I would go from, you know, a big long trip across all of Europe and probably into Mongolia and start there. Uh, somewhere on half motorcycle, half RV, because I like nice. to sleep in comfort and not in tent. So that's what I would, <laughs> that's what I would do. But that's not a what I would be doing. That's what I would be doing if I didn't have yeah. to do anything else. I love that. I'm down. I'm down with that for sure. Um, this has been fun. Okay. We got to have you back for sure. Um, as like a check-in after you're not a newbie anymore. <laughs> so okay, get ready okay. for that. Perfect. But thank you so much, Nicole. This has been awesome. Super meaty. And, uh, I really appreciate your time. Wow. Thanks for having me on. It's super fun to talk to you. Absolutely. Okay. It's been talk LP podcast. Make sure to download the talk LP news app late breaking all you need to know about loss prevention in the palm of your hand. Talk LP news app. Why not? Okay. Uh, you can always tweet us at let's talk LP. I check it sometimes. Um, but okay. We appreciate you listening and we will talk at you later. See ya.